Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Well, good day from New York City. Um, it's uh, snowing, or seems to be perpetually snowing like crazy. I think actually today it's not snowing, but give us five minutes and it'll be snowing again. And uh, we are doing the March edition of Law Technology Now and hoping that March, which is definitely coming in nasty, will go out like a lamb because we all have cabin fever here in New York City. And Andy Atkins is my guest today. And Andy is where I will be in about 36 hours in the state of Florida. How's it like down there right now, Andy? Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, We've had our share of winter, and uh, I know you guys up there north uh, sort of laugh at us when I talk about down here in the 30s, but uh, that's the way it's been. It's kind of been kind of cold for us. That is a little bit cold. Well, hopefully by the time I get on the airplane and head down to Tampa, it'll warm up, take a little quick vacation. Um, Andy, you have the cover story of the Mar- of the March issue of Law Technology News called Taming Chaos, and you wrote about the new study that you just did in your capacity at the University of Florida's Levin College of Law Legal Technology Institute. Um, You've been on the editorial board, I think, from its inception in about 1999. But in case there's one or two people out in the audience who might not be familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing this survey? Well, thanks. uh, I really appreciate it, Mon. Uh, I've been here at the law school uh, for about 13 years. I established the Legal Technology Institute um, as sort of a way of providing technology consulting services uh, to law firms and law departments around the country. Uh, through that capacity, um, you know, with hundreds of consultations in various capacities, I've been very fortunate to see technology change, uh, hopefully for the better, over the years. Uh, the last few years, we've seen uh, many different changes in the area of knowledge management, which includes things like case and matter management. I wrote a book about it uh, called The Lawyer's Guide to Practice Management System Software, which was published by the ABA last year. And after that, uh, talking with vendors at uh, Legal Tech, uh, there seemed to be some interest in trying to understand where the legal profession is uh, in their use of case and matter management. So, being in the position I'm in and working here at the University of Florida, the thing to do is to conduct a survey. Uh, so, that's what we did. I contacted several uh, developers, uh, Perfect Practice, Client Profiles, LexisNexis, Thompson Routers, Inside Legal. Legal Files, Omega Legal Systems, Perfect Law Software, and Synaptic Software all were interested in the same things that we were in trying to figure out where the legal profession is in their case and manner management use. And that led to this survey. So those folks were your sponsors on this program, I assume? Yes, they were the sponsors, uh, helped us put together some questions, uh, and also able to be able to bounce uh, ideas off of them. So they were they were very uh, helpful in making this making this happen. Uh, Andy, I know you have such a great reputation as an expert on case management, particularly for the smaller and mid-sized firms. Was that the target audience that you were looking at for this survey? Well, originally, uh, what we wanted to do in most of our surveys, we try to do a total random sampling. So we try to, you know, our target audience would be the United States and it would be the legal profession. 
and we wanted to try to map the demographics of the study as there are the demographics of the profession. So we have, you know, so many percent would be uh, practicing attorneys, so many percent would be legal uh, administrators and then paralegals, and we had some IT staff in there too. The uh, legal profession, if you break it down, uh, typically about 80% is small law firms. And the numbers that we received in the, for the survey respondents very closely matched uh, the demographics and the profession. So we were pretty happy about that. We did get a true random sampling. And I, I do I remember correctly that you got about 341 respondents on it? Uh, about 341. <laughs> yes, that's correct. I'm reading it right off the article, so that's why I know that number. <laughs> um, hey, you know, you have to have your, you know, your, your outline here. And also, looking at your article, I know that you had the help of the American Bar Association, the International Legal Technology Association, Association of Legal Administrators, the Association of Corporate Counsel, and the National Federation of Paralegal Associations. Did I miss anybody? Uh, nope. I think that was it. Um, everybody uh, that we asked was very helpful in providing the information to us. So uh, this is where we got our ran- – and, and again, when, we, when you ask for mailing list, you ask for a random selection of those um, as opposed to, you know, only specific ones for a particular geographic area. We wanted this across the United States. Now, the the theme that I took from reading your article didn't surprise me because it's been an absolutely consistent theme in the 12 years that I've been editing Law Technology News, which is resistance from the smaller firms um, for case management. Now that you've been studying it as long as I've been editing, what? why do you think the, the smaller firms still fight the idea of adopting this technology when it so clearly can help them both with their productivity and their profits? Well, one of the uh, things that we, we discovered in this survey, and you kind of have this uh, viscera feeling that uh, there are certain things and certain trends, but the, the numbers in the survey sort of helped uh, provide this to us that, you know, there, there's basically only a, about a third of uh, the legal profession that uses some sort of case or manner management system, and that's not including Microsoft Outlook. Um, and I've also um, have been working on trying to determine why is the number low and what is the resistance, um, just as you asked. And, and one of the things that we're finding out um, is that people do think that Microsoft Outlook is a case management system. And how they use it, uh, a lot of that boils down to, I think, how they understand what a true case and manner management system is versus just what they use Microsoft Outlook for. Uh, for example, uh, Outlook has excellent address book, calendar, and task management. All of those are very good features of a case management system. The big difference that people that I run into over and over again is that Outlook is more of an individual type system whereas a case or manner management system works across the entire law firm. But yet, in a, in a practice, a lawyer and his or her paralegal and legal assistant typically only work in that small group. They're not really sharing a lot of information across the board with other attorneys or paralegals in the firm. So I think there's a resistance to the change because it's going to change the way that they practice. Well, you know, even even as a journalist, I can be a, a a testifier to the seduction of Outlook because I don't think there's a more 
power outlook u- user on the planet than me and for all the same reasons that you're that you are talking about but the frustrations of that are also are some of the things you cited in your article if if i get an address change from one of the vendors and i put it in my contacts it does not go to the rest of my staff and you had a great example in your article about how managing contacts alone can affect even a small firm. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I, I I came into this profession when people were still using paper Rolodex cards. And, you know, a small firm of maybe 30 attorneys would maybe have 20 or 30,000 of these Rolodex cards back in a room somewhere. And they would have to, you know, have 20 different cards for every contact because there were so many different conflicts and so many different checks to be made. Um, so when you use a, a case management system and you're using it for the address book and the, and the uh, contacts, you make that change in one location. Uh, and then it's sprinkled across everyone else's systems, whether they use Outlook for their um, address book or whether they integrate the their Microsoft Outlook with the case management system. And that's the true beauty of this. It's one-time entry. But doesn't that also raise another another constant thorn, um, particularly with the CRM folks, the client relationship management software? of the the hoarding of information you know if if i'm the managing partner of the firm and and it's an entertainment law firm and i have uh david letterman's uh home phone uh, there's no way in hell i'm going to share that with every single teeny bopper you know mailroom clerk in you know i could see it being on youtube and or uh, uh up online in 5 minutes uh, how how do how do you break through that obstacle of the 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 baby boomers in particular where we've been just trained that knowledge is power and we don't share toys or <laughs> addresses well in that particular case those firms that handle those high profile clients they're already going to have in place privacy rules uh, and I'm sure that they have background checks and everything else that goes along with that type of uh, high-profile client. Uh, but in most cases, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a rarity. I mean, that's going to be such a small percentage of things. Uh, in most cases, uh, one of the issues that we run into is, uh, and we're facing it now with some of the older lawyers, is what they call secession. Uh, when an older lawyer leaves a law firm, who takes over his or her clients? Um, and the question is, it's not like we're going to assign this client to this new associate when they haven't even met the client. I mean, it's a long-term process. So it's a very type similar uh, situation. Except, you know, here dealing with technology, you've got to have certain rules and processes in place. And how else you said at the outset that that one of the realities of establishing a a case management or practice management system is that it is going to force your lawyers to change the way they they practice law. What's the most fundamental change that they will have to do in order to take advantage of of all the positives of a CMS? It's funny you should mention that. I am uh, in the process of uh, using LinkedIn and working across the pond to some lawyers in the UK, having this exact same conversation about workflow and about changing the way that practice the, the um, people practice law. 
Uh, a lot of it, I think, is just fully understanding what case management systems can do. It's not just the basic functions. Uh, I mean, we all kind of know what those are. It's basically how am I, as a lawyer, going to use this system and be able to not only have it experience in my own personal practice, but also how it's going to help the entire law firm. I think that's where a lot of the communication breakdown is. The difference between, uh, as my favorite uh, 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 villain used to say, it's all about me, me, me. <laughs> and how do we get away from that and so that we can share information uh, to the rest of the firm? And in your sidebar to the article, What Managing Partners Need to Know, you, you describe uh, a case management system as fundamentally just a big centralized database with a lot of bells and whistles. Um, how does this centralized database also help a firm go green? Well, uh, it depends on the culture of the firm. Uh, that's easy to say. Uh, an example, I've got a client up in New York. Uh, one of the problems they have is that they have boxes and boxes. I'm sure this is the only firm in the entire city. Uh, boxes of client files, and not only in the offices, but they're piled three high in the hallways. So they wanted to get rid of some of this and turns to find out that many of these particular documents, there's several copies that exist, and they're in different boxes and different locations. When you purchase a case management system, one of the things a lot of firms are looking for is a tie-in to be able to manage documents and emails. Uh, to give you an example, and this gets back to the uh, how do you change your, the way you practice law, a lot of lawyers will read an email, and if it's important, they'll actually print it out and store it in the paper file. Uh, well, that's fine, well, and dandy because now everything is in within the within the paper file theoretically. But if that paper file disappears, or if it goes home with another attorney, or a paralegal is working on it, who's got the file? Whereas if you put all of this on the on the computer system, and you are able to access it on the computer system, then it really doesn't matter who has the physical file. And by doing that, you can actually reduce, you know, your what they call the carbon footprint. I think that's the term du jour these days. Uh, but that helps a law firm go green. It's reducing the amount of paper that you're actually printing out. I mean, that's just one very simple example. And it sounds like it's also allowing for collaboration and people working simultaneously. We're talking with Andy Atkins of the University of Florida, and we're going to take a quick break to uh, get a word for our sponsor. We're going to come back and talk about software as a service. I'm Monica Bay. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Want to listen for CLE credit? Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on the banner that says, Want CLE Credits? It'll take you right to West Legal Ed Center, where you can pick your favorite Legal Talk Network podcast. And we are coming back. We are talking with the fabulous Andy Atkins, a, who I believe was one of my original board members, if not almost, uh, when I 
uh, came to New York to take over Law Technology News 12 years ago. Amazing. And Andy is the author of our cover story, uh, uh, Taming Chaos in the March issue of Law Technology News. It's up online at www.lawtechnews.com. You can get it in paper. You can get it in a print-on-demand version the information on how to subscribe to that, to our alerts, to our various blogs. You can get all of that at www.lawtechnologynews.com or lawtechnews.com. And Andy, so I won't forget, tell our listeners, if you would, before we talk a little bit about SAS, um, NIA, ASP, uh, how folks can reach you if they have any questions for you. Sure. Uh, I'm down here in Florida. I'm at the University of Florida College of Law. Website is www.law.ufl.edu forward slash LTI for the Legal Technology Institute. Uh, email is adkins with a D, A-D-K-I-N-S at law.ufl.edu. I'm also available on the phone at 352-273-0765. And you were, before you did this case management survey, I remember talking to you about surveys on something called ASP, which was not Cleopatra's snake. Uh, what's the difference between SAS and ASP, and why do we care about it? Well, um, back in 1999 and 2000, the uh, ASP platform, stands for Application Service Provider, was going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. Uh, very good model. Uh, basically, instead of paying gobs and gobs of money, that's a technical term, by the way, instead <laughs> of paying all this money up front uh, for capital expenditures, servers, software, licensing, all that stuff, you would actually pay a monthly fee and subscribe uh, over the internet to a service that would provide you uh, with that uh, particular application. And back then, there were uh, you could use Microsoft Office um, across the internet. Uh, you could use Word. Uh, some case management systems were av- uh, becoming available. Uh, but that was the idea. Is instead of paying a lot of money up front, that you would pay a monthly fee. Uh, well, around that time, the dot-com uh, crashed. Uh, and the market sort of fell down, and uh, a lot of the ASPs at that time went out of business. Uh, so that sort of like went to sleep for a few years. Uh, about two or three years ago, we noticed uh, a new platform coming out called SaaS, or S-A-A-S, stands for Software as a Service. Very similar type platform, uh, where uh, the idea is that instead of paying this gobs and gobs of money up front, uh, you would actually rent, and you, this is how they work, you, you pay a monthly fee, could be anywhere from $20 to $150 a month per user, where you would access uh, a case management system or uh, other types of systems. There's a lot of document repositories out there, uh, EDD-type uh, systems. Uh, so you pay a monthly uh, fee per user to access that data on that server. Now, the model is basically the same. The servers are basically the same. Uh, not much has really changed in that particular model. I think they were smart to get away from the ASP name and, and move to the SAS name. And a lot of the developers will argue with me that there is a difference. But I think, you know, for my opinion, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's pretty much a very similar platform. We did an article a couple months ago um, sort of 
doing an overview of some of the uh, case management and other tools that have popped up, particularly focusing on the small market. And I mean, two that come right to my mind are Rocket Matter. Uh, Larry Port in our last issue did a wonderful Green Law column about how a South Florida dude bought a Prius, which was a riot. I highly recommend it. <laughs> and uh, 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 Clio is mentioned a lot. So there's seen, and I'm sure I'm missing five or six ones that aren't bouncing right to my head. But there is a lot of movement for the small and mid-sized firms on practice management and a lot of time time expense that those sorts of tools. There, I think it's sort of glorified apps, if you will. I, I just got a new BlackBerry and I've been madly downloading apps like crazy. I, I just <laughs> lust after an iPhone. So it's sort of like faux apps, you know, but that's another topic for another day. <laughs> My guest has been Andy Atkins. Andy, any last minute words? We're running a little bit late. So if you want to sum it up and then I will take care of some housekeeping and we'll be done. Oh, well, I very much appreciate the time today. Uh, I do think that uh, one of the ways that law firms can benefit is by using a case matter management system. Um, you know, again, I'm preaching to the choir here, but there are a lot of benefits. It does help the firm uh, increase their bottom line because they're spending less time uh, looking for things uh, which could relate to more billable time. The SaaS platform, something to look at. Um, you need to understand the culture and the risks associated with that. But again, as you said, Monica, that's another session for another time. Thank you so much for allowing me to, to be with you today. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thank you so much. And I want to give out special thanks, first and foremost, to my producer, David Jasper, here in New York, to the crew at uh, Law.com, including Jill Windwer. And, of course, to our partners at the Legal Talk Network, the fabulous Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, Kate Kenny, the entire gang. And you can find us in three places at www.lawtechnologynow.com, at www.legaltalknetwork.com, and, of course, on the aforementioned iTunes podcast library. Remember, there's no crying in baseball or technology, and it's Almost time for baseball. Thank you. I'm Monica Bay. We'll see you in April. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.